Amen, amen. Thanks, Jacob. Welcome to Renew Church. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, this last week, and it was one of those days. I don't know if you have one of those days, but uh, it seems like it's at least a few days a week for me where, like, you're stressed, you're irritable, like, you're annoyed, like, stuff is going on and, and it's impacting you. Sometimes you don't even have the right language to name what it is that you are feeling. Anybody there have at least one of those days per week? If you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand at home, you are not telling the truth. Uh, I just got to be honest with you. Um, And I was listening to a podcast. One of the things that I do when I'm in those days or try to do, now that it's nice out, I try to go for a bike ride, uh, try to listen to a podcast, try to listen to worship music, something to kind of reorientate my mind to something else. And so I'm listening to this podcast, and they were talking about this year. And they were talking about how we've had and encountered more this year than like any other year in recent history, right? Like think of all the things that we've encountered. Uh, If any one of these things would happen in any given year, it would be a struggle for us. But this last year, we've had the luxury of hitting like four or five different things. I think about it. Racial inequality. Financial instability and financial insecurity. Political, political instability. And on top of all of that, you can layer on a nice pandemic for us. Right? Like any of these things happen in any given year, it is a struggle for us. Let alone all of these things happening. Some of them happening over and over and over and over again. And they all hit us at different places. Some of us are fine. Some of us take it in stride. Some of us, it hits us harder. Some of us have stable jobs and know where our income is going to be and are okay. Others have no clue where next month's rent payment is going to come from. So in this podcast... Uh, they were talking about and they said, hey, this is just a reminder. And so this is my weekly reminder to you. Be good to yourself. Show yourself the grace that Jesus shows you. Love yourself with the love that Jesus loves you with. Like sometimes we get amped up and when we put it on our shoulders and, and it's okay just to go, hey, Some days, all you need to do is put one foot in front of the other to be successful, right? So, this is my reminder. Let's be good to ourselves. Let's give ourselves grace. And it's crucial that after this year has happened, we are being disciplined, staying in scripture, like we are reading scripture, even if that's one verse a day, we are praying, we are having conversations with Jesus, and we are surrounding ourselves with friends who can encourage us, support us, be there, remind us who we are in Jesus. 
We're in this series called The Raised Life. And this is part two. Last week we talked about how Jesus transforms everything. And this morning I just want to remind us that Jesus transforms your identity. He transforms who you are. And we talked about it a little bit last week. But I want to remind us that living the raised life means understanding who we are in Jesus. So your identity is in Christ. You look throughout the New Testament. It's a constant theme. We are, Christ is either in you. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1 says Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not anything that you do. It's not anything that you accomplish. But it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. Or you are with Christ. It says that over and over and over again. It's the participation in Easter. The, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That you and I are now in him. And not only does that free us from a whole bunch of things, like the power of sin, the power of corrupt powers in this world, it also frees us to live a life in him that is free, that is full of power, that is full of action, that is full of faith. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7 kind of lays it out for us. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's Satan. The spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at We lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving the wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins, it is by grace that we have been saved and God has raised you up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. I've been reading this book by Pastor Craig Rochelle, Winning the War in Your Mind. It is an amazing book. If you want to get it and read it, you will be blessed by it. But throughout the New Testament, there's constant thought about your mind and how you're thinking and where your thoughts are at. And so part of this is just reminding you, you and I are in Christ this morning. If you are following Jesus, you are in Christ. In the book, he talks about, he says, Jesus made you. Jesus sustains you. He carries you. He strengthens you. He empowers you to do what he's called you to do. So don't drop your guard. Don't drop your guard. See, so many of us this year have dropped our guard. 
We've stopped reading scripture. We've stopped praying. We've stopped being in community with people that are helpful for us. Don't drop your guard. Take captive every lie your enemy whispers in your ear. You know you are not someone who needs something other than God because you know God is everything. So you might ask, well, my identity in Jesus, like what does that mean? Who am I? You are not controlled by fear. You are not stuck. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to your addictions. You are not a victim. You are not failing. You are not unlikable. You are not unworthy of love. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what someone else did to you. You are not who others say you are. You are not who your unhealthy thoughts say you are. You are not done. You are who Jesus says you are. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are healed. In Christ, you are new. You are redeemed. You are free. You are blessed. You are strong and mighty. You are chosen. You are empowered. You are a weapon of righteousness. In a world of darkness. It says, let the truth trickle in. Become a torrent and transform you. Your God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus is enough. So if you're somebody who has days like I do, (laughs) this is a reminder of who you are in Christ. The bad days don't have to win. And this is a reminder that that if you get this, you're like, yeah, I got it. Uh, Maybe you get it on a head level and you're struggling to get it down to a heart level. Like keep praying, keep talking, keep reading scripture. It'll get there, I promise. But maybe the sole purpose of you being here this morning is so that you can remind others of this reality. Why is it important to understand what our identity is in Jesus? Well, it's because you and I are called. You and I are on a mission. Last week we talked about how the the cross, uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus transforms everything for us. It's no longer me, but it's the new me in Jesus. And then we see Jesus comes back on the scene. He's visiting all of his followers. He's letting them know, look, I'm real. I'm legit. This really happened. What I said I was going to do, I actually did. And we see them walking away from the city. And as Jesus reveals himself to them, they turn around and come back to the city. Turn with me to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. They turn, they come back to the city. 
And in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. I love that point. They are seeing Jesus, right? The man that was dead, they see him come back to life, and there are still some in the crew that doubted. What was Jesus' response to them? Was he like, all the people that are doubting, get out. Like, we can't have that here. No. Like, it was like, cool. They're worshiping. Some are doubting. Awesome. Stay at the table. Even if you're doubting, that is okay. Doubting is usually the pathway to a deeper spiritual growth. So if you are in the house, if you're online today and you are doubting, that is okay. Keep searching, keep seeking, keep chasing after Jesus. And he will reveal himself to you. I promise. So there's some that were doubting. They're worshiping. Jesus is there. Uh, They are sitting there, and Jesus came to them, and he said, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. On heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who's, who has authority? Who's got authority? Jesus does. So it's not some political system that has authority. It's not you that has authority. Thank you, Jesus. It's him. He's got the authority. So I don't know about you, but immediately... I go, it's not all on me. It's not all on the church. It's not all on, you can fill in the blank. But Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to him. And then he says, therefore, since all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, since this is a new thing that's happening, like I changed the game, I died, I was buried, I was resurrected, and now I'm back talking to all of you. Now, the game has changed. Because all of that is true. Go. Go. Make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. Teaching who to obey? The people that you just baptized, the people that are now disciples of Jesus, the people that are now following Jesus. Teach them to obey all of the scriptures. And he says this, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age.
If you turn with me to Acts chapter 1, 8, we see Jesus, the continuation of his ministry before he is taken up. And the disciples, they go, they'll go back to Galilee, and Jesus says, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the power. Wait. Be patient. Something is going to happen. You'd think the followers of Jesus, like, they've already seen that Jesus said what he was going to do, and then he did it. Like, they didn't believe at first, and now they believe. So now they're sitting in the room just waiting, going, oh man, what's going to happen? Jesus says something else is going to happen. There's going to be power. What is going to happen? And he says this in 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is going, man, this isn't just about you and your salvation. This isn't just about you getting to heaven and escaping the fiery place. This is about you being invited in to something that Jesus is doing. You, you, turn to your neighbor and say you. You being invited, I don't know if that's okay during COVID, but we did it. Uh, You are being invited in to the mission of Jesus to go out and tell people about him, to show people who he is. Jesus says, you are my witnesses. It's going from neighborhoods to the rest of the world. It's going from your block, your dorm room floor, your apartment building, the block that you live on. It's going from your block out to our city, out into the state, out into the nation and out into the world. By whose power? It ain't my power. Holy Spirit. The power of Jesus. To go out into our neighborhoods and make disciples. To go out into our community and make disciples, to go out into this world and make disciples. It's going to your school, going to your work, going to your neighborhood, having intentional conversations with your friends, with your neighbors, with people you run into on the street, with your coworkers, with the person in your class, with your family members, with your roommates. Going out and making disciples. That is what you and I are called into. It's Jesus' invitation to leave your thing and come join the thing that he's doing. I had a friend say this. He said, if the question is what's in this for me, 
you're still likely going to experience nothing more than a religious church service, and that's okay. So if, if you're sitting here this morning, or you, you have friends going to other churches, and the predominant question is, what am I getting out of this, and what's in this for me? Yeah, you're going to experience a, an okay church service. You're going to experience that. I hope so. If the question becomes, what's in me that God can use for them? What's in me that God can use for them? You're likely going to experience the true church. And you're going to experience Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want that. That's the difference of understanding that we are called to be on mission for Jesus. We are sent. Like the the whole purpose of the church isn't to come in these four walls every week. That's part of it. But the real purpose of the church is to get out of these four walls, to come in here together, to be encouraged, to worship, to praise Jesus, to learn, to be reminded of who we are in Jesus, and then leave this place out into the community, out into the neighborhoods, out into the world, and take what you've got. Take what Jesus has put in you, who he's declared you to be, and take that out into the neighborhoods and into the world. See, we are not called to be spiritual consumers. We are called to be spiritual contributors. If you finish the rest of that Ephesians verse, it says this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared us to do. What has God prepared us to do? For you and I to go out and make disciples. Baptizing them. Teaching them. Showing them who Jesus is. So what does this look like? You're like, Jamie, do you want me to go out and like hand out tracts to people and, and like... Uh, I don't know, bully people on the street until they like say the prayer. No, don't do that, please. Don't stand on a street corner like with a bullhorn yelling at people. Unless like you can really tell me that the Holy Spirit has told you to do that. Even then we might still have a discussion. But the first step is to pray. Pray for people. This is what I want to challenge you. Pick three people in your life that don't know Jesus. And just start praying for them. They don't need to know that you're praying for them if it's creepy. Just start praying for them. Like this is the first step of going out and making disciples is simply just praying for them. If you don't have three people, pray for that. Jesus, give me three people that I can pray for. If you can't even do that, come to me. I'll give you three people that you should go ahead and pray for and we'll figure it out. But just simply pray for people. I don't know what to pray. It's okay. I'll tell you what to pray. Pray that Jesus blesses them. Pray that Jesus reveals himself 
to them. And then ask Jesus, how can I help? Like, Jesus, you're calling us to go out and make disciples. Like, Jesus, how can I help? How, how can I help in this big mission you have? Because you're inviting me to come along. Clearly, there must be something that you have for me to do. There must be someone that you want me to reach, that you're going to use me to show them who you are. Second thing, intentional conversations. Be intentional. And this is a little difficult, right? Especially for us like people, people that like just like to get together and just hang out. It's so easy to get together over beer or wine or lunch or breakfast or coffee, whatever you like to eat and drink. It's so easy to get together and just talk about the surfacey things in life. And this is what I want to challenge us to do. Part of going out and making disciples is having intentional conversations. And it usually revolves around asking questions. Hey, what are you struggling with? When was the last time you asked somebody what they're struggling with? It's a great question, and most people will answer. Unless you're like a stranger on the street, maybe don't do that. But, hey, what are you struggling with? You could take it a step deeper. How's your relationship with Jesus? Where do you see God working? Where don't you see Jesus working that you wish you would? How are you doing with that? How can I pray for you? Like, listen to me, church. There are people around you in every phase, every aspect of your life that are struggling. That are looking for something deeper. That are empty. And they are waiting for someone to ask them the question. Be intentional about it. And you will be amazed at what Jesus starts to do through you. The next is to serve. Everybody can pray, right? Everybody can be intentional with their conversation and their questions. Everybody can serve. Look for ways to bless people. Just because, because you're a human and because they're a human, look for a way to bless them. Look for a way to serve someone. Like one of the best things, especially if you're struggling in this season, is to get your eyes off yourself onto Jesus and onto others. Look for a way to serve someone. How can you use your gifts, your talents, your money to serve someone? And then the last thing. I, I kind of rated these and how hard they are to do. The last thing. Ask someone about their story. And it's real easy. 
hey, what's your story? See, I think you can do that. Ask somebody about their story and then listen. And then if given the opportunity, tell them your story. Like you do these four things, you do two of the four things. You are on your way to joining the invitation that Jesus gives to go and make disciples, to go and baptize, to go and teach people, show people, be his witnesses in this world. And we already see what happens, right? When you and I encounter Jesus, when you and I are following Jesus, and we do what he invites us to, right? The woman at the well, conversation with Jesus, where he broke down all sorts of systematic cultural things around gender, around race, blew right through all of those barriers, all of those systematic things set up in a, in a culture, in a society. And he gave her grace and truth about who he was. What did she do? See, this, this works, kind of goes downhill, right? Like, go make disciples, then that person that has an encounter with Jesus because you are doing what Jesus asks you to do, the Samaritan woman goes back and tells her whole village, guess what? Jesus is real. Come, see what he's done. See who he is. You got Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you can sing the song if you know, but he climbs up the tree looking for Jesus. Jesus says, come down from here. No one in the crowd that day thought Jesus should be talking to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus believes in Jesus, believes who he is, follows him, and then gives all that he took from the local community, all that he stole, and gave it back. Other people were blessed because Zacchaeus found Jesus. And then you have the disciples. When Jesus died, they thought it was over. Saturday, they started walking away from the city. Jesus rises. Jesus starts to reveal himself to them. And they start to turn around and walk back towards the mission that Jesus has for him. And then throughout the book of Acts, you just see amazing things happen as they go and as they make disciples, as they go and as they preach, as they go and they pray, as they go and they bless their neighbors, bless those in the community, as they go and they heal is they go in the power of the Holy Spirit and serve their communities and show people who Jesus is. 
church. That's our mission. We are invited to walk away from our thing and join Jesus' thing. Will you accept the invitation? Worship team comes up. I want to pray for us. I want to encourage you. Do one of those steps. Find three people to pray for. Start having intentional conversations. So the people that you're already doing life with, you're already hanging out with, start there. That coworker you see every day, you go out on the cigarette break together. I don't know, do they still do that? That used to be a thing way back in the day. I don't know if that still happens. That person that you hang out with, that person you eat lunch with, that person that you grab a drink with, start there. What's your struggle? How's your relationship with Jesus? How are you doing? Truly. Serve. Look for ways to bless people. And then ask about someone else's story and tell them yours. Pick one of those four. Jesus, we praise you for who you are. We praise you. That as we follow you, we are made new and alive in you. And that means not only are we free from a whole bunch of stuff in our life, a whole bunch of things that don't have power over our life, shame, the power of sin. You've broken all of that. It no longer has the same power in our lives. But you've also made us free to accept the invitation to walk with you, to journey with you, to be on mission for you. And to see all the amazing ways that you will work. Lead us and guide us. In your name we pray, amen.